Welcome to Fearless Mom. We are super excited to get this two-week series started today. We are doing two weeks on healthy home culture, what a healthy home culture looks like and how to get it. But as always, we want to start by welcoming in our online moms. If you are watching or listening, wherever you are, our prayer is that you feel encouragement, that you gather tools today to help you be the mom that God created you to be. And you may be watching by yourself, but you are not alone. There's a group here in Austin cheering you on. We believe in you. You are exactly the mom that your kids need. And so we want to encourage you to stay at it and just keep doing the next right thing. So let's pray and get this party started. God, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for the gift of the local church. We thank you for the gift of family. We thank you, God, for the gift of technology that allows us to share what we're learning here with moms who may feel overwhelmed and under-equipped, just like the rest of us, but feeling alone. God, give them the assurance that you are with them, that we are walking alongside them. And right now I ask that you remove distractions, that you settle hearts and minds, and that you show us what you want us to see and hear so that we can be the moms you created us to be, so that we can raise these kids to be the adults you created them to be. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Now, Mac and I have been married for over 26 years. We have two children. Emily is 23 and in graduate school. Joseph is 21, and he is a junior at Clemson University. They are great young adults. They are. And I will say that sometimes because of the parenting we did and sometimes in spite of the parenting we did because we made lots of mistakes and no one would love to share that with you more than Emily and Joseph, but unfortunately they're not here. So I will tell you though that I love teaching about marriage and family, but I teach about marriage and family not because I did it perfectly. As a matter of fact, if you look at our children, our children are complete opposites. Emily is probably the most intense person I've ever been around, and that offered some interesting parenting opportunities for me. And the more I studied parenting as Emily got to be older, the more I realized I had said exactly the wrong things to her most of the time. Emily felt everything very deeply, and I would say things like, Emily, don't let that bother you. Emily, quit being upset about that. Emily, you're being dramatic. All of the things that I teach now not to say. But the good news is God filled in the gaps and now she's able to laugh about it. Um, We always say, God, you parted the Red Sea. Please Please erase that from her memory. That's what I always say. And then Joseph, on the other hand, where Emily is so intense and she verbalizes everything she thinks, Joseph is very laid back which offered other parenting opportunities. For instance, um, I needed Joseph's babysitter to tell me that his shoes were two sizes too small. Um, Yes, well, he never said anything, so I never got him new shoes. And she said, "Um, Julie, uh, actually, that is not how Joseph runs. (laughs) Something's wrong. Yeah, it was at a baseball game. Anyway, 
that's okay, that's okay. Or he was so laid back that um, I did wait three days when he was 23 months old to take him for an x-ray, and yes, his leg was broken. <laughs> uh-huh, I told him to quit whining. And uh, the same thing happened. Let's see, I guess he was in fifth grade when he broke his wrist, and I told him, no, sixth grade. I told him to quit complaining, take an Advil, and don't be dramatic, and yes, his arm was broken. So what I'm trying to say is, I did not parent perfectly, but I do believe passionately that if we gather together as moms, if we rally around each other and we choose instead of competing and comparing to encourage and to cheer each other on, that we can raise a generation of leaders and not followers. We can raise a generation of strong, independent, competent adult children. And that's why I teach, again, not because I did it perfectly, and our, another belief in fearless mom is that your mistakes are only wasted if you keep them to yourselves. Because we know that God uses everything for good, even mistakes, even seasons of mistakes, not only in our lives, but in our children's lives. And so around here in fearless mom, this is a guilt-free, shame-free zone. And so we know shame is like mold. It grows in the dark. So we share our mistakes. Number one, they have less control over us and then number two so that others can hopefully learn from our mistakes so we don't parent perfectly but we never quit we do parent passionately and we do share our mistakes and even though we know we make mistakes and we know we won't be perfect we never quit trying some days you hit a single some days you strike out some days you hit a home run but you never quit swinging always always and then third we share it fearless mom because we believe that God's way is the best way we believe that if you will submit your ways to his word and your life to his laws, then your life simply will work better. Now, is there a chapter in Proverbs about how to potty train? Not specifically. Is there anything that teaches you in Exodus how to get your kid to sleep through the night? Is there anything in the New Testament that speaks specifically about when your child should have social media or how many hours your child should spend on the computer? No, but there are principles that apply to every one of these situations and much more. So perhaps you're watching or you're listening and you don't believe the Bible is God's word. You know what? We welcome you to look at the Bible as a parenting tool then. We here believe that the Bible is God's word, that it is miraculous, that it transforms lives, and that it is relevant to every situation, no matter your age of life stage. And if you don't believe that, we don't want you to put it to the side. We want you to do the investigating and to just apply the principles that we're going to teach from God's word and see if they'll work for you because we believe that God's word does transform lives. Now, Today, as I said, we're talking about healthy home culture. And so what is a home culture? What does that even mean? We know that businesses, that nonprofits, that schools all take the time to articulate what they want their culture to be. So why wouldn't we do that for our families? Let's look at our working definition of culture. If you'll look in your notes. We define culture as a set of shared, everybody say shared, a set of shared attitudes, values, goals, and practices that characterizes an institution or organization or family. 
or family. Yes, it is true for an organization, it is true for an institution, but it's also true for a family. Another definition, a way of thinking, behaving, or working that exists in a place, organization, or what? Or family. That's right. We're going to take these truths that people use in their businesses, in their workplace, and we, you know, make them work for family. Because every family does have a culture. Every family has a culture. The culture of your home is determined by, and it also determines what you think, say, and do. Why is culture important? Why are we going to take the time? You know why? Because as a mom, we have a tendency to get so wrapped up in the everyday decisions that we are bombarded by, like I said about social media, about potty training, how many days of preschool, should I be reading um, the Bible to my kids every day, Um, when is the right time to potty train, is this normal for this age child, oh just go ahead and toss out that word normal because there is no normal kid, no normal family out there, but we look at all those things and so what we want to help you do is to take a step back and say what is the culture, when we take a step back and say what is the overall culture of of our family that enables us to then make those decisions better and it keeps us from getting overwhelmed by all those decisions. It also helps us relieve, um, this is just an example, the mom guilt of when we make bad decisions. Um, for instance, if you forget um, you know, your child's lunch money, if you forget a meeting at the school and you can easily get wrapped up in, I am doing a terrible job as a mom. If you take a step back and go, you know what, I've made mistakes today. I, have, I typically had to apologize to my kids by breakfast time, but if I could take a step back and say the good news is the culture of our home is healthy and so God will fill in the gap so um, looking at the culture helps us determine a lot of times what's important and what is not important so today is a new day so maybe sometimes when we think about home culture a lot of us go back to the home in your mind you're going oh the home I grew up in that is not the culture I want to have and that is part of your story perhaps you grew up in a family that did not have a healthy home culture and that is part of your story but it's not all of your story and that is interesting but it is irrelevant as far as setting your current home culture so it's good to look at and to examine and to say that's part of who I am but guess Guess what? I determine my culture and my family right now. And so looking at the past is interesting and kind of irrelevant as we um, move forward. And it's important also that you understand in Fearless Mom, we say this all the time, we don't want to add to your list of things to do. Every mom I know has a to-do list that is longer, you know, than we want to think about. But what we want to do, what we hope that you do, is that you become intentional about what you're already doing. Be aware and be intentional with those tasks that you're already doing. Bath time, drive time, family time, dinner time, whatever it is. I'm not talking about adding to that. I'm talking about being aware and being intentional about those things that you're already doing. And so why do we look at culture? Because it matters and because it helps us all when we take a step back. Every home has a culture, either accidentally or intentionally. Your home already has a culture. This is not about feeling guilty about it. It's about being aware and seeing opportunity for improvement. Every home has a culture, either accidentally or intentionally. Every family has created a culture by default or by design. You have created a culture. 
You have created a culture by the way you communicate. You have created a culture by the way you have routine in your home. You've created a culture by the way you handle conflict. You have a culture, either by default or by design. What we want to do in Fearless Mom is help you to be intentional. Go, okay, now I'm aware of that. And perhaps yesterday it was a bad day. Well, today can be a good day and tomorrow is going to be a great day because you're going to be intentional about establishing that culture. When we talk about the definition of culture, I want you to think about really, it's just how your home feels. If you get overwhelmed by thinking, I don't know about, well, how does your home feel? Don't try to analyze everything about your home, but what is, what are one or two words that describe how your home feels. That's what we're going to talk about. And it's never too soon. You think, well, I don't know if this applies to me. My, I just have a little baby. It applies to you. It applies to everyone. There's no such thing as too soon when it comes to establishing culture. There's no such thing as too late. Well, I have adult children. Oh, my gosh, and they're scarred for life. Now they're probably just going to repeat everything. That's immediately what we do. But guess what? There's no such thing. We know in Romans 8:28, God uses all things for the good of his people, all things for your good and for his glory. And so he can use our mistakes, and tomorrow is a new day. So... No such thing as too soon or too late to establish a culture. But it is important, though, that you understand that there are choices that you make and actions that you take that do determine the culture. So in Fearless Mom, do we feel overwhelmed by that? Do we kind of want to vomit when we think about it? Yes, but we embrace the responsibility and we decide now there are choices I can make and actions I can take to establish the culture I want to have. And does that take stubborn? Yes. Galatians, um, what is it? Galatians 6.19, do not grow... not grow weary in doing good, for in the proper time you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. If you don't give up. Some people call that persistence. I call that being stubborn. There is a right time, there is a good time to go ahead and be stubborn. Just be stubborn about the right things. Be stubborn about your culture. Determine this is important, so I will do the work I need to do. And we're going to encourage you to start by writing a family vision statement. We talk about this a lot in Fearless Mom, how to write a family vision statement or a family mission statement. Take the time, make the time to step back and look up. God, what is your vision for our family? What is your vision for how our culture should be? What is your direction for our family? Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Again, affirming if you submit your life to God's laws, your home will run better. Happy is he that keepeth the law. Proverbs 29, 18 in the message says, If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble and fall all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. Sometimes, as moms, we get so wrapped up in the day-to-day, we get so distracted by the little decisions that we forget that we need to take a step back and a look up and say, God, what is your direction for my life? Because when I look at the everyday decisions, my kids are 23 and 21, I still 
feel overwhelmed. I still feel like I don't know what I'm doing. That was a terrible conversation I just had. Oh, I'm a terrible mother and I can get bogged down. And I step back and I look up and I go, God, I trust you with my children. I trust you. I know that you put me as their mother. There were days when I thought, you know what? I'm not the right mom for them. I had a mother tell me one time, I'm the wrong mom for my son. I'm the wrong mom. He was born into the wrong family. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You are exactly the mom that your child needs. Your child needs you to step back, look up, and say, God, thank you for this responsibility. I embrace this responsibility. I will do the work necessary to create a healthy culture in my home. And I will start by deciding the direction of our family by writing a family vision statement. And that may overwhelm you. I'm going to encourage you to go to fearlessmom.com and look at resources. Andy Andrews is a friend of ours, and he has put together a template to work through to help a family write their family vision statement. He calls it a mission statement. Those are just two different words for the exact same thing. And so I want to encourage you, just do it as a project. Maybe it's a process that you want to go through. If you're overwhelmed right now, because I'm going to be honest, it's like four pages. That's a lot of words for me. And so I, I'm, and maybe today's not your day to do it. Set it, set, make it a priority and talk to your husband and say, when can we do this together because yes it's going to require some work it's going to require some effort but it is worth it when you go to God and you say God what is your direction for our family because we are not victims of the culture we live in I'm not a victim of my husband's job I'm not a victim of the community I live in I'm not a victim of my kids schedules I am a fearless mom and I will do the work necessary to create the culture I want to have and that is what you should be feeling too and we want to encourage you to do the work to create the culture that you want because you will be faced if you have little ones and you're thinking oh yeah we've got it going on you will be faced with more and more opportunities to get distracted. And we want to encourage you to refer back to that mission statement, refer back to that vision statement. The chatter doesn't matter. The vision makes the decision. And it also helps you as you get to all of those life decisions. Um, Mac, I remember when Emily was four years old, and I was super overwhelmed. And this is going to kind of sound funny now that she's 23 and a healthy adult. But at the time, it was a really big deal. I could not decide if she should do two days a week preschool or four days a week preschool. And I mean, I couldn't sleep at night. I was thinking this is going to determine her academic progress. This is going to determine all of her future relationships. You know, if she doesn't learn the social skills she needs to learn. And really, the bottom line was I just couldn't see myself showering five days a week. And so I had to determine what was right for us. But I remember Max saying, honey, it's not that big a deal. You see, he had the culture in perspective. He had the vision in perspective. I was too bogged down in the decision that I was making. So I had lost perspective. But that's what culture enables you to do. 
is to take a step back and to see, okay, you know what? And I will tell you, if you do choose two days a week, they turn out okay. And if, <laughs> if you're a person that needs them to go to five days a week, I know a lot of families that did that too, and that is awesome, and they turn out okay too. And so the bottom line is, if it seems overwhelming to you, take a step back. But that vision or mission statement helps you see what matters most and what you can let go of. Um, two days, yeah, that whole idea of getting out of my house, you know, four or five days a week, I think I was a little overwhelmed by that. That's okay, I celebrate my capacity and yours if you can do five days a week. Um, Now, what does a healthy home culture look like? All homes are different, and I told you in our home, we had two kids that were complete opposites. We had a super intense, super verbal. We had Joseph, who was super laid back and didn't say a word till he was three, and yet God chose to bring us all together in a family and to create a home culture. And so what does a healthy home culture look like? That is what we want to establish today. I'm going to give you three words that are going to help you figure out um, how to establish your healthy home culture. Every kid is different. Every mom is different. Every marriage is different. Every family is different. There are different seasons in the same family, but there are three things that we believe transcend wherever you are and are um, and can help make that home healthy wherever and whenever you are. It's important to remember, too, before we start this, and this is going to sound like a big revelation, but it is a big revelation to me, there are some things we cannot control. Um, and uh, that, but I'm telling you, Mom, you know you're laughing at me. That is a laugh of recognition. What happens is we think, you know, when our kids are little, we're just going to create this perfect environment and everything's going to be awesome. And if we have this perfect home culture, then our children will be happy all the time. And that is such a great goal. And I encourage you to keep that goal. But I will say, go ahead and recognize there are things that you cannot control. What that tells us is we need to control the things we can. So we control what we can and understand that we have to let go of what we cannot control. So the first thing we're going to shoot for, these three words that are going to describe a healthy home culture. The first is safe. Everybody say safe. Safe. We want our children to walk into our homes. I want to walk into my home. I want my husband to walk into our home and say, I'm home, I'm safe. And I like it here. I have a picture from an online mom in Las Vegas. Laura Bodine um, is a big fearless mom, online mom. She, um, we talk through the computer, Laura. That's right. I'm referring to you right now. Um, and so uh, she, ha- her husband had made for her a sign that her, every one of her kids, all three girls, and she sees it and he sees it right when they walk in from the garage. And it says, I'm home. I'm safe. And I like it here. What a great idea. Oh, kudos to you, husband. That way to go. But that's what we want our children to feel. So what can I do in my home to make sure everyone feels that way? I want my children to feel that way when they come in from school, drop the backpack. I'm home. I'm safe. I like it here. When they come home from college, they drop the duffel bag. I'm home. I'm safe. I like it here. Ideally, one day, they have grandchildren. They come in. They drop the diaper bag. I'm home. I'm safe. I like it here. That's what we want. I want myself to feel that, and I want my husband to feel that as well. Um, What can we do to do that? Each um, area that we're going to talk about, we're going to go through developmental stages, and I'm going to give you quick ideas of how you can encourage that in your home. Um, Infant stage. Your tone of voice. 
with your baby and with others while you're holding your baby or while you're around your baby. Your body language and your ease of your body. Just be aware of your posture. Be aware of your facial expression. Be aware of your tone around the infant. Now, listen carefully. Have I yelled in front of my children? Have I screamed while holding my infant? Absolutely. It doesn't mean you will never do that. It doesn't mean it will scar your child for life if you do. I'm just trying to help you be intentional and be aware of that posture, of that um, facial expression. Toddlers and preschoolers. Here is a big, this is when you start teaching about emotions. We teach boundaries for emotions because when I talk about your home being uh, safe, it's not just about physical safety, it's also about emotional safety. We have another series, um, it's in series two. Fearless Mom is a three-year program. So in series two, we talk about um, emote control and equipping our children to identify, process, express, and overcome emotions. Um, That's very important. So we want to teach our kids that Any emotion is okay to feel, but how we express it matters. And so we want a home in which any emotion is okay to feel, but we learn boundaries and how to express those emotions. Um, This is a big one in our home uh, because we have such an emotional uh, expresser, um, Emily. And so we really, really had to work hard on that. And then um, elementary, expect kindness towards siblings. Is it normal for children to fight? Is it expected? Yes, it is. Does that mean it's acceptable? No, it doesn't. I will never... Now, there were arguments where I chose to not intervene. I stepped back. But if they knew that I heard, if they knew that I saw, then I had to get involved. Now, sometimes I would say, y'all figure it out. But in a tone that is unacceptable, is unacceptable, period. And so I expect my children to treat each other with kindness. And we treat each other with kindness in our home. It's just part of our culture. Um, As a teen, talk about safety. So we're aware of our body language. We're aware of our facial expressions. We're aware of our tone. We make our children aware of all those things. And then as a teen, I think it's super important that we stay engaged and that we tell them that we like them. That we Now, I will tell you this, your kids will not always like you, but it's important to know that they, that it's important for them to know that you like them. So Mac was super awesome about this. I, um, I just noticed that he was always expressing it, and so I kind of jumped on the bandwagon. But it did make a difference that our kids knew that he liked them, that I liked them. And so we articulated that, and we spent time um, with them. And um, it's not just about loving them. They know you love them. I remember my dad when... Um, he would take us home like when we were young and if he took us out to dinner, you know, the girls, my sisters and I, and then um, we would get home and we would say, thanks, Dad, for um, taking us to dinner. And he would say, thank you for going with me. And I remember thinking, I think he likes us, you know. And so even if he was faking it, that's okay, you know, turned out okay. So safe is the first thing. And then second is simple. So safe and simple. Control your calendar. Don't let your calendar control you. 
Um, if you haven't yet, I would encourage you to read The Best Yes by Lisa Turkhurst. She really helps moms determine um, their schedule for their family, what to say yes to, when it's okay to say no to things that we feel like we can't say no to. Um, Lisa Turkhurst is amazing, and that's a great book. Um, the Best Yes helps uh, again, articulate what is important and determine and, and choose the most important things. We can't say yes to everything. Um, and I, again, I'm not a victim of my community. I determine what my family participates in. I determine if we do weekend um, activities. I determine um, the birthday parties we attend. And that is because that is very important to me. And you've got to figure out, Mom, your capacity for handling activities and your kids' capacities. Every kid is different. We did not do activities. I mean, and boy, once you start school and all these opportunities and you're thinking, oh my word, he has to start this at age five. He will never play varsity. Number one, that's not accurate. Um, and number two, you've got to figure out what your family can handle. And if your family can't handle it this semester, don't apologize for it. Just don't do it. And so we determine that. Determine how to keep your calendar simple and how to make margin in your life. So also that means keeping your calendar simple and it means keeping your home simple, an orderly home, a home of routine, a home where your kid knows what to expect, a home with a place to do homework. I'm not saying there that it's always quiet, it's always peaceful, and it's always clean, but there is some sort of routine. There is some sort of expectation for the child to know what to expect. Some kids need this more than others. And I will say that is not my natural bent, but I knew it was important for my kids. And so I had to do the work. I didn't do it without mistakes, but I kept working at it, keeping an orderly home free of chaos and clutter, um, creating that routine and then giving yourself margin. Margin in your day, margin in your morning. Um, people laugh um, that we had family breakfast at our house. It's not because I cooked every morning. It's because we woke up a little bit early so that we could all sit at the table and all get on the same page for the day. It is not because, um, you know, everybody was cheery and wanted to be there. Um, oftentimes, Emily had her eyes closed. She was still asleep. But we were always at family breakfast. It gave us a little margin in our day. If someone remembered, oh, I had a project you there was no time for panic you could just go do it because we created that margin um, that was learned from mistakes being made and not having margin and a lot of drama in our mornings um, so if you are an infant if you have an infant you're probably not an infant listening but if you're if you're an infant and you have a baby that's even bigger problems if you have an infant be aware of your body when you're feeling rushed again just your posture your tone um, how you're feeling your kids pick up on that they pick up up on it in your home and the more margin you create the less rushed you will be create margin in every day and for every commitment if you're planning on going to the 930 church service why don't you go ahead and plan on being there at 845 <laughs> and then maybe you'll get there by 930 um, create margin in your day toddlers and preschoolers choose the preschool the activities and the play dates that work best for your family I remember thinking oh my gosh everybody has a play date every day after school well Emily was super intense she needed to unplug when she came home from school. So we did not do a lot of play dates after school because number one, um, I was happy to have them home and I didn't want to drive around again. And then number two, it was just better for her. Joseph, the complete opposite. He could have been social all day, but he usually needed a nap. 
And so uh, then in elementary, keep those after-school activities regulated. Do not fall for the lie that your child um, will not be a happy adult if they do not play every activity. Um, you know your limits. You know your kids' limits. Um, and don't be um, embarrassed, ashamed, or feel guilty for saying, no, we're not going to do that. Um, I will also encourage you, if you do have school-age kids, um, so that you can be attentive once they get off, give yourself, um, or even if you have nappers, if you have kids who are still napping, give yourself 15 to 30 minutes in that afternoon by yourself. Now, I chose to use that as snack time. But you may choose it as something else. But revitalize yourself. Work in margin for you before you have um, to be hands-on with your kids. Um, when you have teenagers, a mandated family night, no, those aren't out of style. Yes, you can do that. And does, um, does it take some determination? Yes. You can resolve to say, guess what, I'm okay with that. And if your kids learn, the best thing they can learn is I'm strong enough to be the only one. I'm the only one who didn't go to that event. I'm the only one who didn't go to that party. That's okay. They will be stronger in the end. It's okay to be the only family who says we will do family night. Um, because in the end, what are your kids tethered to? We want our children tethered to God's word. We want our children tethered to the family. And we want our children tethered to the local church. And so what are they tethered to? They're tethered to something. And so I want to give them the best chance by tethering them to what we believe is the most important. So safe. Everybody say safe. safe. Simple. Everybody say simple. simple. I'm not a victim of my community. I'm not a victim of my kids' activities. I get to determine them, okay? Safe, simple. And the last one is silly. Everybody say silly. Say it with a smile. Silly. Silly. Laughter is important. Studies show that it is good for your health and your well-being. There are studies that prove that it increases academic achievement. There are studies that show that it increases your length of life. Laughter is important. Yes, am I naturally a silly person? I probably laugh too much. There's some things that should bother me. But even if it's not your thing, then you work it in. And you know what? Order is not my thing. But I worked it in because I know it's important. Did, did I fail miserably at times? Yes. But I kept working at it. So maybe order is your thing. Well, then you need to work on laughter. It's important in the home, and everybody can learn. Um, from Series 1, there we have a lecture, It's a Big Deal, Laughter. I give all the fascinating statistics about how laughter can positively affect your life. And if we all agree that it positively affects your life, then we're going to do the work to implement that into our lives, into our kids' lives. Um, it's something that they say also improves a marriage. If you laugh together, if you choose to spend time together watching a funny movie, be aware, be intentional. That's all we're saying. We're not adding to your list of to-dos. We're just saying be aware. Have I laughed today? If not, then just go on YouTube and watch a bloopers thing. Those things where everybody's falling down, that is the funniest thing to me. Um, or there's one about uh, kids getting scared. Oh, my gosh. I don't know why that is so hilarious. My sister is really great at this. This may be, you may think this is terrible, so it's not me, it's my sister. But um, she, their family loves to scare each other. And so, like, they'll hide behind doors or whatever. It is the most hilarious thing. And their kids love it. Her kids are teenagers, and they think it is hysterical. And I cannot share all the videos because some... Not everybody responds appropriately. Um, okay, so now if you, but 
think of ways you can work laughter into your home. Sorry, Emily, I just ratted you out. My sister, Emily. Um, okay, infant, if you have an infant, laugh in front of and with your baby every day. And you think, well, what am I laughing about? Then let your child just see you laughing about something. Make sure your child is aware when you're laughing with your husband. Think, okay, have I laughed in front of my child today? I'm going to do it. I'm just going to, um, you know, turn on a funny show for just 10 minutes and watch it and allow my child to see me laugh. You think, well, what am I laughing with my infant about? <laughs> I mean, you find music that has silly motions. You can be silly. You find um, songs to play while while you're doing bath time, sing with your child, smile, just be aware of your facial expression. I'm not saying don't ever be sad. I'm not saying don't ever let your kids see you be sad. It's okay. That's healthy. I'm just saying be aware and be intentional that they also see you laugh. Um, and then toddler, preschoolers, funny books, family play, games, um, elementary games, silly movies and TV shows. Um, we all watched as a family some of those ridiculous TV shows um, as our kids got older, Phineas and Ferb. And, um, I mean, I just think Professor Doofenshmirtz is hilarious. And um, then as a teenager, continue continue to watch those shows, continue to watch movies, continue to stay engaged with your kids. There is a myth that teenagers um, do not want a relationship with their parents when they are teenagers. That is not accurate. It is not secret. Feed them. Have candy, have queso, have, I mean, you do what you need to do. And I, I would tell the children, you eat healthy at your home, that's awesome. Over here, I will serve you snacks and queso. I always had queso, I always had candy, I always had cookies, um, and I stayed in the kitchen. I stayed in the kitchen, and I continued to interact with them. And do you know that even 17-year-old boys would come in, and I had the snack plates that were the animals with the ears, and I would cut up their apples, and I would put them up, and they would argue about which plate. No, I want the turtle. No, I want the fish. You see, they want an excuse to still be children. So if you can provide for that, the silly things. I literally think if I had put Play-Doh out, the teenagers would have enjoyed it. Continue to engage. It's not rocket science. It's snacks. Um, the bottom line is we are trying to create homes that are safe, simple, and silly. And if that feels overwhelming to you right now, I just want you to consider this. You have an opportunity to create an environment that your family loves. You have an opportunity. Actually, guys, we have the responsibility to create a home that is safe, that is simple, that is silly, not just for your children, for you, for your marriage, and for your children's friends. A home that is safe and simple and silly will stand out. It will stand out and there, people will be drawn to your home, not because it's the biggest home, not because you have the latest and greatest activities, not because it's the home without any rules, but because they feel something different. They feel safety. They feel there's, some, there's an ease about this house. And people laugh here. The thing about laughter, laughter communicates ease and makes kids feel safe. It all works together. And that is something that, again, 
It's not just an opportunity. We feel it's a responsibility. Psalm 126, 1 through 3. This may be my favorite psalm. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, you see the Israelites had been um, in captivity, and then the Lord brought them back to the promised land. When the Lord saved them, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, among all who were watching, the Lord has done great things for them. And Israel stood and said, yes. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. That's my prayer for my children. That's my prayer for my children's friends. That's my prayer for your home, that I am exhibiting, that, Mom, you are exhibiting something in your face, something in your tone, something in your posture that communicates, I'm at ease. And therefore, you can be at ease around me. The Lord has done great things. See, God saved me. So I have a lot to be joyful about. He saved you. You have a lot to be joyful about. And I want my children to say, the Lord has done great things for her. I want my neighbors to notice, the Lord has done great things for her. Not because I've got it all together, but because I have a perspective. I'm able to take a step back and a look up. God, what do you want for my family? Because I know, God, that you created us to live a peaceful life, a hopeful life, a joyful life. And that is what I want to exhibit. And mom, if you are overwhelmed right now and you're thinking right now, oh my word, I am tense all the time around my children. We are the opposite of silly. I've been yelling since, you know, 2015. That's okay. That's okay. Today's a new day. Be aware and be intentional. And all I'm going to challenge you to do this week is to say, God, give me one word. One word. How do I want my home to feel? One word. What is your word? Is it peaceful? Is it joyful? Is it hopeful? Is it at ease? And you're thinking, I don't feel any of those things. You lean into him. He will fill in the gaps where you fall short. That is what he does. When he calls you to something great, he gives you what you need to get there. And so that's our, that's our prayer for you, is that you become at ease with the unease of being a mom. Your kid doesn't need a perfect mom. He needs a mom who's at ease with the unease of motherhood. So that's what we encourage you to do. Step back, look up. Ask God for a word for your home. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this day. I thank you for your promises in your word, for your assurances in your word, your encouragement, your direction. I thank you, God, that you desire a healthy home culture. And we know when you desire it, you'll give us what we need to get there. Help us, God. Help us see your vision, your direction your dream for our homes and give us the tenacity and the stubbornness we need to make it happen. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen.